Welcome to Be Customer-Led, where we'll explore how leading experts in customer and employee experience are navigating organizations through their own journey to be customer-led and the actions and behaviors employees and businesses exhibit to get there. And now, your host, Bill Stagos. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Be Customer Led. This is your host, Bill Stakos. I have an amazing guest for you all. Grant Freeman is the chief customer officer of a company called Thrive, which is doing some really, really special stuff in, for smaller businesses. We're going to get into what Thrive does and Grant's role, as well as sort of the evolution of customer experience in B2B. Grant, welcome to Be Customer Led. Great to have you on the show. Bill, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Oh, absolutely. We're going to have fun today. So the first question we ask every guest grant on the show, as you may know, is tell us about your professional journey and what were some of the differentiating factors in your career? A lot of folks that are listeners of this show are either chief customer officers or chief experience officers themselves, or certainly aspiring to be. So I think they're going to be really interested in your sort of navigation and your journey because it's a little bit different maybe even than maybe your traditional experiential kind of journey too. Yeah, I would say it certainly is different. I think the first thing to mention is that I've spent all 22 years of my professional career helping small business America, right? So that differentiates me right there. It started out in a capacity of actually, Bill, you're never going to believe this, selling space in phone books, generating leads The old, before there was Google, there were That's phone awesome. books and those books, you it. would open them up and it was the original search engine, Bill. That's what we say now so that we're kind of hip still. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the original search engine. But early on, I gained a really deep respect for the entrepreneurs that make up Small Business America. I mean, mm. the, these people are incredible. They put it all on the line. And when you have that respect, you also have this sort of burning desire to serve and to help them achieve their goals, notwithstanding the fact that it's still the backbone of the American economy as we stand here today, small business. But you also learn that they need a lot of help along the way. Mm -hmm. Many of them are great at their craft, but not maybe so great at running an actual business. So I, I think that that's been being on the lead gen side from, from something older school like Yellow Pages to then transitioning to helping them. When digital marketing became a thing, uh -huh. that was a big point in my career, sort of making that massive shift to help them generate affordable leads online. And now we find ourselves the next iteration of the transition, which is modernizing their business so they can run efficiently so that they have the tools and the wherewithal to compete with sort of the national and regional players that are armed to the hill with everything they need. And, and we, don't, oh, yeah. we don't want to see anything happen to small business, Bill. So I think that I've sort of been on this journey alongside them the entire time with a profound respect and also having learned to be a really good listener and also with this subset of, of people being a motivator at times, letting them know that they can do this and that others have done this in the past to, to great success. So I think that that makes me a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. So tell us a little bit about, that's a good segue into Thrive as a company. How do you help small businesses? And by the way, I commend you guys for focusing on the market so critical to the backbone of the economy, to folks who are want to start, have that entrepreneurial spirit, want to go do something different, et cetera. Tell us a little bit about what Thrive does and how do you help organizations become better at what they do every day or allow them to focus on what they should be doing? 
Yeah, so Thrive, it's, it's, it's great. Thrive is a platform that really affords small businesses to run their entire business end-to-end more efficiently. Mm-hmm. What that means is, what differentiates us a little bit, Bill, is that there's a lot of point solutions out there. You have sort of email marketing providers, you have single point CRM solutions, you have payment solutions. And what we found was that small businesses, as they started to adopt little pieces, they ended up with 17 logons, 17 passwords, 17 places to go, and nothing that was interconnected. So what we did was we designed really an all-in-one platform where it does everything that you need to help you get the job, to help you manage the job, and then to help you get credit for the job. So to be more specific, things like it has a CRM, that's sort of like the central nervous system where small businesses can keep data and records and understand what people have purchased. And then we have marketing tools in there, whether it's text or email reminders. Mm -hmm. We have the ability to send digital estimates and invoices and even to collect payments, generate reviews, have an interactive website. It really runs the gamut. And I think that's been a key to our success is identifying a problem, which was people wanted to, they wanted to adopt technology. But once they started doing it, it was like a second job. You had to Mm -hmm. go here for this and here for this and export here and import there. And Thrive really solves that problem for people. And I think that that's been a key component to the success that we've had so far, reaching 50,000 small business customers across the United States and beyond. That's awesome. That is awesome. Does the platform allow for everything from like the solopreneur, one person shop all the way to, I forget the, the, what is the proper definition of a small business? Is it like up to a hundred people? I think it's actually up to 500 because we're SMB technically, right? So I would say that Thrive does a, is powerful enough to serve that high end, but really our niche is really sort of the two or three employee to 50 employee mm. shop, right? Um, Interesting. Yeah. And it's a lot of these businesses, they're having some really good success, even in the challenging times that we're in today, but they need to be more efficient. They have the spirit, they have the desire, they see the roadmap of where they want to go. But getting there is really difficult unless you're organized, right? Unless you have a, a streamlined way to conduct business on a daily basis. That's awesome. My, I, speaking from experience, my wife is a business operator and I, it, there's a constant like, okay, what is the password for this? What is the password for that? Why doesn't this stuff all work together, exactly. right? I Just from an experiential perspective, it creates a lot of confusion and just complexity when that's the last thing you have time for, frankly, as a small business owner. Let, let's talk, Grant, a little bit about your role. So you're Chief Customer Officer at Thrive. A lot of organizations just, I think the proliferation of the role maybe over the last couple of years, a lot of organizations are starting to define it differently. So tell our listeners about what is your role at Thrive? How do you approach it? What is the remit there? No, it's, it's, it's a great question. And it is so very different as it evolves, right? So I oversee all training and recruiting at the organization. That's sort of one piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, second piece would be the client experience. So we, we have the client experience team. And then probably the piece that, that we spend a ton of time on is if you think about this, Bill, m- my team owns sort of the first 120 days of a customer's life, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the most integral piece, especially with small business. And I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So we have the SDRs on my team. I get to work with them. We have a sales team, which is broken into sort of different teams, some of which serve local feed on the street that we have across the United States, across Australia as well, who are out there who have strong existing relationships with people, with business owners, and they sort mm-hmm. of bring them to the software sales team. Think about it having like an engineer in the software and, and we have a lead source that owns relationships out there that brings us those. 
Then we have your typical demand gen motion. We have our version of enterprise, which is going after franchises and becoming sort of the the, the central nervous system for, for their franchisees. And then we have the onboarding team. We have our client success team, which is post onboarding, mm-hmm. and even the monetization team. So we stay really busy <laughs> on my team. It's about, no kidding. about 320 people in all. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're actually the first team that I've seen where you have sales embedded into that team as well. I think that's a pretty neat model, frankly. When you think about sort of the onboarding piece, you mentioned like an on- the onboarding is really critical. What's different maybe for a small business relative to a mid-market or even a large enterprise where you guys are dedicating and carving out that space to make sure that onboarding gets nailed? Yes. So I think it all starts with sharing with you and everybody else first, our North Star at the organization. Our North Star is an engaged user, period. And when when it comes to small businesses, they don't have teams of people to run software like enterprise level does. If you're the the person that is the founder of a small business, you're the CEO, the CMO, the CFO, you're the entire C-suite, right? So it's actually a reason why many of the people that have been our competitors, they can't wait to start serving small businesses and then get the heck to enterprise level because it's difficult. And if you don't do it right, churn is high because adoption is low. So we focus on an engaged user, which means we invest heavily in service. All of our onboarding with customers, there's no time limits. We seek to simply understand during the sales process, which is why it's great to have them all under sort of one, all 120 days under one shop, the entire sales process simply seeks to understand and define clearly the problem the prospect is having at this moment, the impact that it's having on their business, and then how we can be the solution and solve that gap. And that kind of language and talk track now carries on from the moment the first SDR makes contact all the way through, not just onboarding, but client success management as well. It takes a lot of Mm handholding. Small business owners don't only need help identifying the problem, but also actually implementing the software and using it. And we're willing to do that with no time constraints, no oh, it's extra for this, or you only get two hours. We found that we have industry-leading churn that's in the low twos while serving the small business sector because we build great relationships. And I think they know that their success is extremely important to us. It's not just lip service. And as you can imagine from a business bill, as we get higher engagement, we get higher retention, higher NDR, Right? all of the, the, the great benefits that come with it as well. So it's worth the investment in our estimation. Yeah. And the message that we like to send people is we're not going anywhere. We've defined this market for us. We have a passion for small business and their success. We're not trying to go up market or down market. We're, we're in the sweet spot where we're going to live forever and serve this segment because they need us and we need them. Very cool. So, I mean, that, that feels like that's one of the core tenets of the experience that you all want to deliver. Yes. Are there any other kind of must-haves or must-nots, perhaps, that you guys just say, we're drawing the line here, we, we will always stand for this, when we're, but we're also going to draw the line here, right? Like, don't ever expect something like this type of experience from us, too. Well, I think what's important is honesty with the small business. So, mm-hmm. I believe this will get to the root of your question. We don't pretend that we're going to run it for them. We're there as coaches, Mm -hmm. right? During the onboarding process and as we deepen engagement with our client success managers, we don't tell them we're going to do this. It's not a do it for me service. It's a do it with me at the beginning and then it's a do it on your own with 24 service available when you need it. 
And I think that that's where we draw the line. We have a lot of customers that say, can I call you three times a month to do that? And we are so client focused. Mm. But at the same time, Bill, this is the old give a man a fish or teach a man to fish. Like for their (laughs) own good, we inspire them to know that they can do this and that with all of these tools and they can sort of after after that first 120 days, we're always here to support them, but that they're going to be running it on their own. And I think that is that's very different for that sector. If you think about mm-hmm. leads traditionally, it was always mm-hmm. do it for me, do it for me, do it for me. And now they immediately default to software, do it for me. But you can't. I, I can't input people into the CRM on a daily right. basis. I can't send you. So I think educating on that and, and again, inspiring, letting them know that they can do it and then offering the unlimited coaching that we do for four months. I mean, that's, and then you can call us any time after that, but it's pretty regimented for the first 120 days, Bill. And I think that's sort of a, a line in the sand, but it's for their own good. As yeah. Well. I'm curious, Grant, do you see for, I'm sure some companies may not actively leverage that the generous four month kind of window. Do you see also that you want people being active users of the platform? If they're not active upfront, probably they're not going to be active over the long term or like, how, and how do you bring them back from that? Bringing them back is tough. Yeah. Honestly, if you don't, yeah. if somebody's not actively engaged in the software by day 30, it's very difficult to ever mm. get them in, mm. right? Mm. Because when they decide to forge ahead with us and, and to make the decision to purchase and implement this platform, that's the most excited they're going to get until that first onboarding call. Um, no, so yeah. we really do focus on a time to first value, right? Sort of making sure that within the first five days of that first onboarding call, they're using the software to help solve the problem that they identified with us was a major pain point for them and having a terrible impact on their business. That's the importance, again, of even starting with the SDR, having the, the prospect, the customer really mm-hmm. verbalize, this is the impact this problem is having on my business and put it to dollars and cents or time wasted or misallocation of resources and what that means. Even if it's a simple bill as a feature like when roofers go out on estimates, if somebody doesn't show up, if they're not home with gas prices and inflation and uh, labor, that's a massive, yeah. massive financial impact. So yeah. implementing things like text reminders, email reminders, et cetera, have, they seem so to you and I with dealing with Amazon and big business, right? It seems so like, duh, of course we take it for granted, but small businesses are just now adopting that technology to help them. So the impact is real. Very cool. When you think about sort of, even I look, even in a organization that's two or three people, let alone 50 or 100 or 500, culture is a super important thing, right? Whether you realize it or not, if you've got one employee, you're still creating culture as the business owner. How does, or well, you don't have an HR unit if you're a three-person shop. You probably don't have an HR organization if you're a 20 or 30-person shop as well. But like, how does the work that you do, maybe think about maybe your larger clients, translate into being or delivering a customer-led culture? Like, is it the time saving so you can focus on the things that you're building the culture that you want to build? Is it something maybe that's embedded in the platform? Like, how did, is there anything in there that you all say, we're actually helping companies become better, not just operationally, but also from a cultural perspective? It's a great question, Bill. I believe that what we actually do is we afford their employees a better experience. We're very focused on the employee experience here, equally Mm -hmm. focused as we are on the experience of our clients, because we know that happy employees interact better, they're more productive, 
and, and they do better for our clients. So we're very focused on that. Our software makes their employees' lives easier. So from a cultural standpoint, if you're saving them an hour or two a day, or you're saving them from having to call people to remind them that they're coming out because text and email is replaced with that. And then that person can do a job that they deem more important, more like a bigger role in the company and not just the sort of the the nuts and bolts, boring stuff that can be automated these days. I believe that it, it empowers people at their organization while at the same time making their jobs happier, making their days easier. And that's going to have a tremendous impact on culture, right? Everybody feels as if they're, they're aligned against stuff that's more important while at the same time, the other stuff is still being done. So I believe we have an impact on the retention of our clients' employees as well. I love that view. I love that you're essentially leveraging the platform as an enabler of the rote work kind of goes away. It, it gives people the time and the flexibility to automate and focus on the things that get them up in the morning every day and getting a work whistling, right? I love absolutely. that. I love that view. Yes, absolutely. How do you, so a big topic in the experience space is measurement and how organizations measure success against the customer. How do you think about that? Maybe for your own team, but also from a corporate perspective, how are you measuring success for Thrive from, a, from the customer's lens? Engagement. It all comes back to that being our North Star. So you had mentioned it before, actually, um, some of the acronyms that we use, DAU, right? MAU, WA, weekly active user daily. So we're trying to grow daily active users every single day. And if you look at weekly and daily, we've grown them over 30% over the course of the last 12 months, which is really high stepping when you consider everything external going on in the environment right? So that is the key metric. Everything else stems from there. Of course, we look at transactional NPS and relationship NPS, which we believe both are very good predictors of future success, right? But really, the biggest impact to churn, to likelihood to expand spend, which dovetails into both of those into NDR, obviously, and impact on NPS, it all comes back to an engaged customer. An engaged customer is happy. They feel productive. They're feeling tremendous value. And they really appreciate the service that they got to get them to that point, which aids us in referrals. So I would say the key metric that we look at, it's actually a scroller on our internet, right? It's actually every day it's updated, right? It is, is engaged user metrics. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's great that you have that on. You've democratized that data point. So everyone is focused on it. They see it when they go on your internet. They, they're reminded how important that is and what they can be doing in their role no matter what the impact is, large or small, towards making sure that users or your clients are engaged and, and leveraging the platform. I'm curious, Grant, like one of the big topics in from a chief customer officer perspective is within the C-suite, how, and you really do touch a lot of different things, which is just awesome. Yeah. What are some of the best practices you've seen in influencing your colleagues at that level? Or even maybe you're having conversations even at the board level. Customer experience is more and more being a, being put on the board agenda. That's Can you tell us a little bit about, so maybe two questions in there. I'll throw the first one at you. How do you influence the broader organization? I mean, you've got an expansive remit to begin with, but then thinking about your CEO or your chief technology officer or head of sales, et cetera, like, how do you influence those folks across the C-suite? Well, the good news is I think it's becoming more common, right? I think if we were talking three or four years ago, it was like, oh my gosh, how can I prove the ROI on a CX team? Yeah. Like, is this all just fluff and stuff? Yay, everybody's happy, right? <laughs> but we all know now, I think most people have come to grips with the fact, though, that it is critical. 
it's critical because one of the key components to growth, maybe the most critical, especially in this day and age, where it's not really growth at all costs anymore, is like read the room, right? Things have changed now. It's responsible growth given the market mm. conditions. You got to keep your customers. You got to keep your customers. 100%. You got to love your customers. You got to expand the spend of the customers that you have because it's so expensive, 14x more expensive on average to go get a new customer. So I think that's real. I don't think anybody really bats an eye at me anymore when I say we should add this touch point or we should do this bit of research mm -hmm. or we should beta test this. And I think that when you do things in small test groups and you can come with less anecdotes and more actual data, people are very open to it. But the direct and obvious impact to retention is the play that has always worked for me because mm -hmm. you really can't argue that's not important. You really can't argue that we'd rather just go find new customers if we don't do a good job with these, which is why we are different. We have chosen to invest heavily in service, in human service, not just tech touch, mm. but a lot of human touch. But that makes us a rare bird. You know, you know better than anybody. Typically, if you're serving small business America B2B, you're in like the four to six percent monthly churn. Yeah, We're in yeah. the low twos. Yeah. So that delta the investment we make more than pays for itself. That's awesome. I hope that answers it, the question. It, it does, absolutely. And Grant, I'm just curious, like, as I mentioned before, customer experience topically is increasingly a board level item. Yes. I mean, obviously, risk, growth, operational efficiency, ESG, huge topics that boards are dealing with, large and small. And if you can't share it, that's fine. But how are you thinking about customer experience as a board level agenda item. Is that something that comes up? Absolutely. 100% of the time now for the last, I'd say, almost two years. Wow. Almost two years. That's and awesome. It's because, you know why though, Bill? It's because we do a lot of research. Because again, data over anecdote. They never win with anecdote. I feel, I think, I, even we used to Back in the day, one blurb from one customer and everybody says, yeah, everybody feels that way, right? Yeah. We, have, we have surveys upon surveys and data point upon data point from different arenas. And when you can bring all that to the table, then all of a sudden, once the, the board hears about that and sees that, then they want to know, how's engagement this quarter? Yeah. Is engagement up or down? The relationship NPS, more so than transactional, the relationship, the 12-month NPS, is that up or down? Because these are key indicators based on data of our future trajectory and of what's to come. So I think it's become a very comfortable conversation. Once you show the data and the material impact that you're mm -hmm. making, even if it's on a smaller scale, right? Then after that, people, they feel the need to know, you know? Yeah. Because again, retention is key. Nobody has gobs of money right now to go drop millions upon millions to acquire new stuff for a ungodly cost off of Google, which is so outrageously expensive now. We yeah. all know that, right? To, yeah. to, to buy clicks, et cetera, to buy media. But yeah, it's not a struggle anymore. Two years ago, yes, but now I think people get it. You know, I love that. I love that the culture of the organization, even at the board level, has evolved. Obviously, a lot of organizations, large, medium, and small, have a long way to go there. But it's wonderful that you guys have, have an engaged board that way. I think that's very special, by the way. I'm curious to see how you think the role of the chief customer officer may evolve over the next couple of years. Right, we've seen a lot of change. It's a relatively new role when you think about other C-suite roles. Certainly, where do you see the role evolving, or maybe even just from the perspective of how do you see your own role maybe evolving too as a chief customer officer? 
Well, I, th I think it has a bit already. So there's a by accident, we may be ahead of the curve here. I think that ownership of having every every platform sale made, every Thrive sale made, goes through my team, mm. regardless of the initiating lead source, whether it's fantastic feet on the street that have excellent relationships and they bring them to our team, or it comes from marketing generated leads, or it comes from a partner team, et cetera. We've built this sort of team selling approach, right, which also allows us to scale. But that reporting up through the chief customer officer means that everybody is talking the same language. Mm -hmm. We have a well-scripted way in which we communicate with customers from the first time you meet us, right, all the way through onboarding and beyond into expansion of usage and then expansion of spend. So I think that that might be very different for people watching right now or listening to hear. But I believe that that's vital because you'd never want any friction right? Or disjointedness, if that's even a word, may have yep. just made that up. It is now, man. As, as it passes from sales to onboarding. Mm -hmm. And when you have your systems, your processes and everything streamlined with one thought process from one sort of senior executive, mm -hmm. I really think that helps a lot. Awesome. I think the shared values, shared understanding of what success is, shared language as well. I think those are really important things that a lot of organizations miss and they become very siloed right. as a result, right? And those handoffs, to your point, not in every case, but sometimes they can get chunky and create the environment where customers like, did I really make the right choice? Well, obviously, which is a big deal from a SaaS perspective. That's right. And then for everybody on my team, they know it's engaged from moment one. SDRs are trying to get them engaged with something by using our software to message them right away. Yeah. And then during the sales process, you're literally saying, well, why don't you take a little drive? And they're touching it for whatever problem they're trying to solve. We're showing them how. And then onboarding is really just a continuation and deepening of what they've already done with an SDR and with the salesperson. So you're able to script it like, like a Broadway musical almost. And, and, and it's just it's not that it can't be done through teaming. It can. But to your point, typically you're more likely to end up siloed and disconnected and inject friction and bumpiness because you're on different systems processes thought processes, et cetera, when it's under two or three different shops. Very cool. I've got a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. Something that I started to do this year, Grant, is ask, and I will ask this of you as well, but ask my previous guests, what question do you have for my next guest? Not because I'm a lazy podcaster or anything like that. I just think, I think it's well, you the got, questions. You got all your questions. That, that, yeah. After 100, every question came what from are the, What are the five questions you would ask my next guest? Yeah, he's got a list. This comes from the CEO of, of a technology company, Artificial Intelligence, and really interesting show. It, what has been the biggest struggle? I'll tell this a little bit because I think he was looking for maybe for maybe a founder, but like what has been the biggest struggle you've encountered in building the business or the one mistake perhaps you'll never make again professionally? Oh, boy. I think it took a while to really understand the extent of the help and coaching and inspiration small businesses would need to adopt mm. the software offering that we have. And I think at the beginning, the error that I made in judgment was that they'll just figure it out because I could figure it out, Bill. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, I can do this. So everybody can do this. And then you see engagement is like, there is none. It's shelfware immediately, mm. right? Mm. So I wish that I had tested more back then adoption and what it takes to adopt versus just making an assumption that because I can do something, they should be able to do it too. As naive as that sounds, that was where I probably started five or six years ago with this thinking, oh, I'll fly off the shelves and everybody can just 
configure it and, and yeah. use it. And then from there, I think people do think that we're a bit crazy and different, which we're okay with the fact that we have so much human touch and so much handholding and have made a conscious decision to invest in service. But I would implore anybody out there, whatever it takes to gain engagement, it will pay you back big time. Again, in retention, in expansion of spend, and hence NDR, in NPS, and in referrals that you're able to get as well, which brings down your cost of acquisition, as we all know. So I, 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 th- that would be my answer to that question, if that's okay. It's a great answer. I don't think it's naive at all, Grant. I think that there are a lot of folks out there that, and even being in customer experience leadership roles myself on the client side in, the, in past lives, I can't tell you how many people I've had a conversation with where someone's in a room and says, well, I just went through this process and it was super easy. I don't know what people are having such trouble with. And it's like, you are one out of a million customers, right? Like you are not the experience. You're not the persona, right? So, that's right. Yeah, and knowing, by the way, you work- knowing your audience, Bill, that's what it is. Like in intimately knowing them, like I'm listening to calls and talking to customers, like real small businesses. And I fear that sometimes people that even serve that segment, they've never actually just sat and spoken mm-hmm. because you would understand. And I wish this, again, this is pointing the finger at myself. I wish I had done that more with regards to software and adoption six years ago. So talk to the actual customer, understand mm-hmm. their daily lives, their, their plight and show them you care and hand them the thing and say, can you do it? And they'll, they'll be honest. Say, I, I'm not even time for this, right? So. <laughs> All right, your turn now. I'm going to turn the mic to you. What is the question you would have for my next guest? Oh, boy. Let's see. Well, Bill, so moving forward, obviously, we know that there are a lot of external factors that are going to be impacting businesses big and small. We also know that the lifeblood of any organization is the ability to affordably acquire new customers. And I think that's something that everybody's struggling with now. So I would ask your next guest, what plans do you have or how do you believe you can accomplish or anybody out there can accomplish really lowering that cost of acquisition in times like we're having now? That would be my question for that. Very cool question. Very cool question. So my next guest actually is the founder of a of a company. They're, they're an agency. So that's going to be really interesting to put in oh, front of him. I'm excited nice. to do that. All right. One last question before we wrap up. Really interesting conversation, Grant, by the way. Thanks for your time. But where do you go for your inspiration? Yeah, I... It's really, it's all around me every day. And when I say that, yes, my family and yes, my friends, but it's the small businesses, the stories that I get to hear of how our platform has changed lives. I mean, it could literally, like I've got goosebumps right now just saying it because you're talking about people that had two or three employees that started in their garage and now have 20 trucks and they accredit it to the service that they receive to the product, right? to the ability to become more efficient and effective and really gain the ability to scale and grow and achieve their goals, dreams, and aspirations. That's all I need. I mean, if we're helping one or two of those people a day, let alone scores of them, you don't need to look anywhere else. It's, it's better than a book. It's better than a movie. It's real life changing people's lives through what we do on a daily basis. So I, I think that would be my answer to that, Bill. Very, very cool. Very great answer. I love it. Like I got goosebumps just hearing that from you, by the way. So, all right, everybody, great, great show. Grant, thanks so much again for the gift of your time this week. It's been wonderful to have you on the show. Everybody, Grant Freeman, Chief Customer Officer at Thrive, which is an end-to-end platform to help small businesses grow and uh, be better at what they do every day. Grant, thanks again for your time. 
We'll see you. Thank you, Bill. Take care. All right, everybody. Another great show. We're out. Talk to you soon, Thanks everyone. for listening to Be Customer Led with Bill Stakos. We are grateful to our audience for the gift of their time. Be sure to visit us at BeCustomerLed.com for more episodes. Leave us feedback on how we're doing or tell us what you want to hear more about. Until next time, we're out. We're out.